1: as we focus on that first reading from Acts 10, we see some pretty big things happening in the lives of people. Dear Christian friends, it looks like a burger. It cooks like a burger. It tastes like a burger. And it even bleeds like a burger, but there's no beef in it at all. Instead, the burger is made out of a plant Based beef alternative, with the bleeding coming from beet juice. And the burger is produced by a company called Beyond Meat. If you're looking for a meat alternative to throw on your grill, you can now buy one of these ready-to-cook Beyond Burgers at a number of area stores. It's located right next to the real meat in the fresh meat section. So you can make your own decision about Plant versus animal protein. You know that pastors are supposed to practice what they preach, right? Well, I can tell you that yesterday I ate one of these things, too. (laughs) I'm still standing today. And to let you know, I was pretty impressed. Uh, I'm a, a burger connoisseur and was really good. Put everything on it like normal and couldn't tell really any difference. Beyond meat is a health-driven disruption. This is a phrase that a a magazine in the food industry called Fast Company uses. Health-driven disruption. In our lives, more often than not, we know that change requires disruption, doesn't it? Think about electric cars and about how the industry seems to be reaching a tipping point right now. Perhaps Tesla and the, the founder, Elon Musk, were the disruption in this industry. It used to be that electric cars were rare. Who would imagine riding on top of all your car batteries as you're going down the street? Well, hybrids like the Toyota Prius have some degree of popularity, but now everyone, including Ford and General Motors and others, they're, they're trying to get their part in the market share. And the gas-powered automobile may one day be in the minority. Imagine also how those self-driving cars are going to affect us. They're going to change our lives. An article that was in CNBC's website says that the disruption has already started. Autonomous cars will run the road sooner than we expect. And business leaders in all the industries can no longer take a wait-and-see approach. What about hydroponics? Growing crops by using a, a sort of nutrient water and no soil as they flow, the water flows through these water tubes. You know, like electric cars, these have been around for a long time. About 23 years ago, when I went to Israel, I was able to see one of these places out by the Dead Sea, out in the wilderness. It was a whole greenhouse setup. And there are many third world countries and others that are using this because they don't have those abilities to have rich soil. Well, you can also add aeroponics now to that list. That means growing plants in the air and with watering systems coming down on them. The point is that both of the growing methods, they really have the potential for major disruption in the agricultural community. Throughout history, positive changes have relied on disruption. And the early Christians in Jerusalem, as we saw in the book of Acts, they were people who had grown up Jewish. And they had been taught never to associate with the uncircumcised, the unclean people, those Gentiles, who are a part of the Greek and the Roman world. But notice that there is a disruption And it's earlier in Luke chapter 10, verse 15. There's a voice from God that says to Peter in in a dream, a trance, he says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And that's an earth-shattering type of verse that's really ending centuries of Jewish dietary customs and cultural traditions. Talk about a disruption in the lives of God's people. Well, here's how it happened. One day in Caesarea, Cornelius, a Gentile, he had a vision from God in which he was told to send for the apostle Peter to come. And meanwhile, Peter has a dream in which there were foods that are listed in the unclean category in Judaism. And a voice tells Peter to take these animals and eat them. Well, Peter, being the good Jewish person that he is, could not eat unclean food, not even in a dream. And then the voice says to him in that dream, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Well, after arriving in that town, Peter, he acknowledges that it's unlawful for Jews to visit with the Gentiles. But then he reported that God had shown him that he should not call any man impure or unclean. No one should be excluded. Not even those people who eat burgers with beet juice. After arriving there, he then goes on also to preach the good news about Jesus. And he preaches to Cornelius and his friends and relatives. And Acts tells us that while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Yes, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word of God. And Gentiles were there and Jews. And this was a disruption that was driven by the Holy Spirit. It was one that actually interrupted the preaching of Peter. It says in the next verse, the circumcised believers, those Jewish believers who had come with Peter, they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on those Gentiles. They were literally blown away. They were like meat eaters who were tasting their first Beyond Burger. Or perhaps a passenger who's getting into one of those driverless cars. They had a hard time grasping that non-Jews were speaking in tongues. And they were praising God. Peter knew that he was in the middle of a spiritual disruption. And it was a radical change. And he saw that something new was being born here. And he asked his fellow believers then, can anyone keep these people, these Gentiles, from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. You could hear a pin drop probably at that point. No one says a word. And then Peter, he orders Cornelius and his family to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Those people's normal operations They ended up being disrupted. And they would never go back to the way that they were before in their lives. The Spirit falling on the Gentiles, it began a new era in the life of the church. And by this method, God was being able to enable the Gentiles to hear the good news. And for them to be a part of the community of faith, something that the Jewish purity had previously prohibited. Greg Barnes, the president of the Princeton Theological Seminary, he writes that one of the first lessons that the early church had to learn was how to accept the Samaritan, to accept the Gentile, and even the eunuch, who believed in Jesus Christ as Savior. But disruption, we know, is always difficult. And even in the church today, it's still learning how to accept things and people how to accept the stranger that god has chosen to be a part of communities of faith in the christian faith when peter had reported the experience to the church in jerusalem he encountered resistance about that and even criticism but he concluded his report by asking a question that really silenced his critics he says, so if God gave them the same gift as he give, gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think that I could oppose God? That's actually in Acts 11, verse 17. What a great question. Who was I to think that I could oppose God? You know, if God wants us to change and to do a new thing, who are we to say no to God? The tension in the Jerusalem church, it was between purity and diversity. It was a struggle that we still experience today. And around the church, we see some Christians who believe in purity. People who want to enforce traditional morality and beloved theological doctrines. And there's also other Christians who are proponents of diversity and having the ability to accept a broader range of theological and cultural perspectives. Disagreements, those are bound to arise at a time of disruption. And people don't always agree on a number of social issues or the morality of war or even the nature of Jesus Christ himself. Such tensions are particularly tricky because they do not all break down very clearly. The difference between right and wrong, or the difference between good and evil, and that delicate balance between purity and diversity—that's one thing that challenges both pastors as we proclaim the word, and also you as members as you live out your lives. We even see it that challenge that takes place in the Christian community among each other. We may feel it in ourselves. If there was anyone who was disruptive, who do you think it would be? Well, it was Jesus himself. It helps to get a word from the Lord, doesn't it? For Jesus to tell you something directly, such as the guidance that Peter got here in the book of Acts, especially when we may want to perhaps let go of the past and begin a new era. But until that time happens, when Jesus speaks directly to you if he ever does. The church can do no better than to follow the example of Jesus. The one who showed the willingness to really break established purity in order to minister to outcasts. Remember that it was Jesus who healed on the Sabbath. Wow. Try to do that among the people there. He's the one who welcomed little children. Children in a Jewish society were helpless. They were not looked down upon as kindly. Jesus preferred the company of sinners and eating with them over eating with the religious leaders of that day. In all these ways, he favored the diversity of God's people. And he did that over the purity of the religious laws. Jesus was never afraid to push for change. And he did that also like Peter, even in the face of opposition. Jesus was a spirit-driven disruptor. He changed the world of religion by taking an old approach and instead replacing it with a new and better one. And filled with the Holy Spirit, he comes up with a new and better religion type of system. Today, he asks us to move in that same new direction with him. He challenges us to get to know the new immigrant who comes into the country, who works down the hall from perhaps your office or workplace. He's the one who says to reach out to the neighborhood teen who might be isolated and alone. To adopt a child who has a disability and requires specialized need. He wants us to support the young women who are having problem pregnancies, to invite young singles to church, and to make an effort to visit the elderly, especially some who may feel trapped in their homes and can't get out. Jesus wants us to be part of a movement of inclusion that's seen so clearly that even at the time when the Spirit fell on those Gentiles and God welcomed them into the community of believers. That's what Jesus is all about. And it's a movement that he led through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was disruptive then, and it's disruptive even today. But that's what a Spirit-filled church is all about. We can finally take a cue from a meditation aid called Headspace. You may not have heard about it, but it's another big disruptor in the world of business. Headspace is one of the most downloaded health and fitness phone app services that's in the Apple App Store. People use it to practice meditation, to become more mindful, to relieve panic attacks, to solve relationship problems. In short, it shares many of the goals that the Christian church does as well. But Headspace is not content to remain an app-based service. It wants to go in a new direction and to meet the needs of even more people. And so they have created an ad campaign targeting exercise fans. And they've advertised during NFL and NBA games. Headspace is reaching even airline passengers with an in-flight channel. It's creating relaxation pods in airports, and other stress-filled places that are in public. Our challenge as Christians is to reach new people as well. And following the example of Jesus and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that's how we do it. We can't buy ads in the NBA like Headspace can. But we can be equally effective and disruptive in the world around us our spirit-driven acceptance of diversity, and our Christ-inspired purity of love. That's something that the world needs now, more than ever. We see the world going downward in many ways. And what do we do about it? What can we do about it? Listen to God's voice, as Peter did. He speaks to us in his Word. You know, we know we're not headspace, but we are spirit space, Holy Spirit, a space for people to experience that unconditional love of Jesus Christ in their lives and the gracious welcome that he says, come to me. Look what I've done for you on that cross. And I am alive and join me so that you may be where I am forever. Let's do that in Jesus' name as we share that great news with others. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior.
0: Amen.